Welcome to America's Defense Communities, the podcast. I'm ADC On Base Editor Randy Ford. Back in March, not long after Brendan Owens began his job as Assistant Secretary of Defense for Energy Installations and Environment, one of his first stops was the Defense Communities National Summit. He'll be joining ADC again in November at the Installation Innovation Forum in Orlando. But in the meantime, we wanted to hear what his office is working on as it relates to defense communities, including housing, resilience, PFAS cleanup, defense infrastructure, military community partnerships, and the DSIP program, plus more. So Assistant Secretary Owen sat down with me. Here's our conversation. So you first joined ADC at the Defense Communities National Summit in March, and that was just about a month into your new position. So several months later now, how do you feel about the the progress you've been able to make? Yeah, so I, I appreciated the opportunity to engage with ADC very early on, probably maybe arguably too early on in <laughs> know anything worth, worth saying out loud. I, I think over the course of the last several months, I've had the opportunity to get out and travel and 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 be with people who are part of defense communities. So we've done a number of trips all across all across the U.S. outside the U.S. and getting to getting to engage in those conversations has really given me a, a much better understanding of what the relationship between the defense community and the installation needs to look like, and and what what success looks like, and and in some instances what success um, w- where we should be striving to do more. So. From that standpoint, it's been very valuable for, to do that. In terms of progress that we've made, I, I would have, I know that if I had uh, going into this, I would have expected to do more than, than we have been able to do. But we have had some significant progress that I think we can, we can talk about around PFAS, around cleanup, around uh, housing. And, you know, but I would still say that we're at the beginning of, of what I'd like to say. Uh, you know, a year from now, we we will have accomplished. Well, let's talk about housing then. So every defense community, uh, like a lot of communities, are, are facing um, housing issues. So some of it's the condition of housing on base. Um, some of it is a shortage of housing off base. Are are there steps DOD and communities can take in the near term to to make for healthier, more affordable places for service members and and families to live? Yeah, I think I think there are and. First of all, let me just sort of level set. Every time we go to an installation, we do a housing tour, right? Because I'm in the, in the job, in addition to being the, the assistant secretary, I'm also the chief housing officer for DOD. So I have an obligation to really understand what the conditions uh, of the of the housing that we are asking our service members and their families to live in, whether it's accompanied or whether it's unaccompanied. And the that has been another sort of foundational educational piece of the last eight months of uh, in this in this chair. So you know, there's there's several things that I think are, are worth are worth talking about. One is that we are accelerating our investment in in housing. Um, we are working with the military departments to make sure that we are resourcing the the the, the military housing pro- projects well um, and better than they have been. Um, making sure that we are making investments in unaccompanied housing that 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 bring it up to standard because this is a, a you know an obligation that DOD has to make sure that safe affordable housing is out there for our uh for our uh, families and, and for our service members so one specific thing on base housing related that i think would be would be a better and it might seem relatively mundane 
But making sure that our service members, particularly when they're living in privatized housing, understand the tenant bill of rights. We worked hard to get this put into place. I think it was a it was a good step and it was a step in the right direction in terms of what we what we owe our service members and their families. Uh, but what what we what, what we can't necessarily force education on people. So one of the things that I'd like to just sort of ring the bell on is making sure that people are out there going through the process of educating themselves about the about the resources that they have availability on, right? So whether that's the 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 housing office on the installation, whether that's the dispute resolution process, whether it's you know knowing who to call and when to escalate things, you know, there's a lot of really excellent information and training that's out there. And while I know it's the thing that you want to deal with the least, making sure that you're not trying to learn the process when it's needed is 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 really does come in handy. We've seen that over and over again when you know people understand the dispute resolution process well, they get good results. When they don't understand it, they tend to get lost in a in a complicated maze of uh, of challenges and and no, that doesn't work for anybody's best interest. Uh, so investing a little bit of time at the outset level setting to make sure that you have a, a good understanding of what your tenant bill of rights entitles you to uh, is an investment that's going to going to make it make it easier on our end to deliver the quality of the housing and the service that we know that the service members and their families deserve. Let's talk about climate change a little bit. So we've had multiple extreme weather events this year uh, and Anderson Air Force Base on Guam was hit really hard. Uh, but fortunately, most installations themselves um, have largely been spared, but that's not always going to be the case. There are going to be more of these weather systems. So what are solutions and how can communities support those? Not not asking you to solve climate change right this second, but but again, some of the, the concrete steps that, that we can be taking to help. I think it's a great it's a great point. And and it is a partnership that's necessary because the the thing that I think that I that I did say back in March, which I still do believe, you know, when you look at the fact that 70% of the people who work on military installations live in the community, uh, it's not just about hardening inside the fence line. So with that as kind of the backdrop, there are strategies that that will make communities more resilient. And some of those are DOD funded. I think the Defense Community Infrastructure Pilot uh, Program is, is, a, is a great example of a place where DOD resources can be brought to bear to fix community installation, to fix resilience challenges in a community. So I would encourage the the, the folks who are in positions to, to, to put together packages to compete for that money in future years, uh, engage actively and early to make sure that we are identifying the best resilience projects that we can identify uh, to, to hit those things. But beyond that, I think that, you know, making sure that that people are, you know, following the preparedness steps that that are out there to make sure that the the communities themselves are are capable of 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 being independent as as they need to be uh, and responding quickly in the event of an, of an emergency. And then, you know, lastly, I think, which is something that I don't think defense communities really suffer from a lack of is just pulling together when when things get hard, right? I think that's a that's a baseline level of 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 things that we know that we can rely on service members and their families for um and, and just being ready to do that when when things get things get bumpy um is is critical. 
So you you mentioned PFAS earlier. You you spoke to ADC in May to talk about PFAS cleanup and and how that's a priority for DoD and and you said then that it requires direct engagement with communities. What what does that engagement look like in your mind? Well, for us so far, it's looked like exactly what I said, direct engagement. We've had dozens dozens of meetings with community advocates with uh, installations with special interest groups that are focused on this, with subject matter experts who are working on the science and the technology for detection and disposal and treatment options. You know, so we've really taken this as a significant chunk of the portfolio and tried to make progress in in a bunch of different ways. And I, I can talk, uh, uh, you know, a little bit about some of the specific things that we've put in place. Um, I've signed four department-wide PFAS policies over the course of the last five months that that really are looking to change the way that we engage for for the better. Uh, we are we're we're setting the military departments up to be actively engaged in response activities related to uh, the, the what we expect to be action around the maximum contaminant level for. For, for PFAS and drinking water, we know EPA has put out proposed levels that are significantly lower, orders of magnitude lower uh, than the than the levels that we're currently operating on. So we're we're empowering the military departments to take the steps that are necessary to get ready for that uh, for those levels to come into play. Uh, that requires reassessment of all the data that we currently have, um, as well as going out and resampling where that's necessary. We've sped up some testing. We've enabled speeding up of testing requirements on groundwater uh, by changing a little bit about what we will look at in terms of in terms of testing requirements. We have put in place more transparency guidance around what what people should expect of the of the disclosure of the of the data uh, that we ascertain when we do the testing in communities. And then we've also sped up, we put in place a, a policy that was seeking to speed up the implementation of interim removal activities under CERCLA. We know that CERCLA is a long process, uh, and, and but we want to make sure that we are acting when we have information that enables us to act under the law. So that has enabled us to, in uh, Michigan, Wurtsmouth Air Force, former Wurtsmouth Air Force Base, uh, we announced a series of interim removal activities under CERCLA that we're going to be implementing sooner than they would have come under under other, you know, sooner than they would have come if that policy that we put in place hadn't existed. And I think we've seen in Pease, the former Pease Air Force Base, you know, evidence that the transparency policy that we are, that we put in place is also being, being well received. So, you know, we're, again, we are not close to being even started on this uh, in the time that I have left. Uh, with 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 this position, but we are hoping that what we've put in place so far creates momentum in in a direction that you know we are not talking about eaches right the ones and twos uh, we're talking about dozens and dozens and dozens of projects that that are going forward based on our ability now that the policies are in place. So we're going to continue to do community meetings. We're going to continue to engage through our uh, RABs. Uh, and we're going to continue to to move as quickly as we can, given uh, you know, given what our our constraints are under Circle. Thinking about the other priority areas that are, are top of mind for your team right now, what what are some of those that defense leaders can be helpful with? 
Yeah. I mean, we touched on, we touched on the big things, right? We touched on, touched on resilience and community resilience um, and, and DSIP plays a role there. We touched on PFAS um, and, and again, community ad, community advocacy work at the local level, engaging with your restoration advisory board, engaging with the, the, the installation on water t- treatment and, and testing and groundwater testing are, are critical. We need, we need that support. We need those engagement points to make it possible for us to get the data that we need to move to move the interim removal activities ahead and we touched on housing right so all of those things are are the places that that from a community engagement standpoint that that we are we really need to to continue to 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 nurture and 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 grow relationships i would say the other place that that we're seeing growing importance is in defense community, defense critical infrastructure. We know that there are places that we need to invest resources in order to make sure that we can have all of the readiness and resilience that we need at an installation level that are in the community. Uh, So we've been engaging with utilities to make sure that we can identify those places and make the investments that are necessary. But we also wanna make sure that while we're doing that, we are also making the community more resilient. So. Uh, finding those places where investments that are going to be made in defense critical infrastructure are also delivering community resilience is a place that we're going to need partnership and engagement with with defense uh, with f- folks in in the community. All right, that's that's all I had. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I'm looking forward to joining the the, the group in in November. I, I feel like every time we have a conversation like this, and or every time we have an engagement, there is an opportunity to to hear about what can be done to, to move the, move the ball forward, both in partnership with and in, in uh, support of the defense community and, and, and DOD. Uh, so when we get together in, in November, I know that the focus is going to be on housing and I really look forward to hearing what people have to say about what we can do, what we can do better and, and, and where we can support and continue to, to advance the agenda. I want to thank Assistant Secretary of Defense Brendan Owens for taking the time to talk with us. As I said earlier, we'll hear from him again at ADC's Installation Innovation in November. You can find out more and register to join us at installationinnovation.org. America's Defense Communities, the podcast, is a production of the Association of Defense Communities online at defensecommunities.org. That's also where you can sign up for our daily on-base newsletter. This episode was produced and mixed by Mark Parrott. Thanks for listening.